Hi everyone, welcome to There's Always Tea, the place to be to discover true and exciting insights about everything from famous people across our history, to travel, to tea, to the ethereal universe, and everything in between. We find that tea in a chat solves a lot, so pour yourself your favorite cuppa, or even make one of Nikki's homemade teas, amazing concoctions that they are, and travel to a different land with us. I'm Keith Hockton. My co-host, Nikki Jordan, is on holiday at the moment, so I thought I'd share my thoughts with you on haggis. We're about to do a podcast on the history of Scotland, so it seems apt to get this out of the way first, give you a better understanding of what the Scottish are about. Tea-wise, I have a large cup of Earl Grey. With the tea alchemist on holiday, I always go black and simple. So haggis. If you haven't heard of it or eaten it, it is a dish that is considered special for a few reasons. First and foremost, it is a traditional Scottish dish that has been enjoyed for centuries, and it is often seen as a symbol of Scottish culture and heritage. Yes, it's the national dish of Scotland. So the Haggis Scoticus in Latin is about the size of a large house cat or a small dog, and it lives predominantly in the highest mountains of the highlands of Scotland. But more about that wee furry creature later. The origins of the haggis are actually unclear, but is believed to have been eaten in Scotland for at least 700 years. Some historians believe that it may have originated with the ancient Celts, maybe, who would stuff the organs of an animal with oats and spices to make a type of sausage. Others believe that it was introduced to Scotland by the Vikings. Also a good maybe. Who would make a similar dish? What we do know is that haggis became particularly popular in Scotland during the 18th and 19th centuries, for all good reasons, and it is widely consumed today, particularly on Burns Night, which is the 25th of January, which celebrates the life and works of Scottish poet Robert Burns, or Rabbi Burns, as we know him in Scotland. In recent years, haggis has also become popular outside of Scotland and can now be found in many parts of the world. They even serve a version of it in Nepal. Who would have thought? So to the haggis itself, it's a very distinctive wee creature in that the legs on one side of it are actually shorter than the legs on the other side. And this actually allows the creature to easily navigate the rocky terrain of the highlands and to fight its way through the longer heather. It has a mane of hair, very much like a lion, a very pointy face, a bit like a um, Siamese cat, and bright blue eyes and sharp wee teeth. Haggises are also notoriously difficult to catch due to their running around in circles, and they're very, very fast, again due to their short, muscular, shorter than the other legs, And there are actually two different types of haggises, where one breed has longer right legs and the other breed has longer left legs. Go figure. The two species, unfortunately, are unable to interbreed as the male of each species loses his balance when he tries to mount the female of the other species, which results in a very angry female and a very embarrassed male. It's not for lack of trying, though. And this is also when they are easier to catch. So starry-eyed and off-balance, you'll need a large butterfly net for the job. (laughs) I am, of course, talking complete and utter nonsense here. However, in a 2019 survey, they found that one-third of visitors to Scotland from the United States of America believed the story that I've just told you. 
It's just a wee Scottish tale to entertain the visitors, folks, that's all. But in Australia, we actually have drop bears, bears that drop from the trees. You know what? That's a story for another time. So back to the humble haggis. The first written recipe of haggis dates from about the year 1430. So what is haggis really? Haggis is a savoury dish containing sheep's pluck, and the pluck includes the heart, the liver, and the lungs of the sheep. The pluck is then mixed with minced onion, oatmeal, and spices, of which include black pepper and probably mace. Salt and stock are also added to the mixture to form what we know as the haggis. It's that simple. These ingredients are all then minced together and traditionally stuffed inside the sheep's stomach, therefore utilizing everything of the sheep that we had left to hand. The traditional method would be to boil the haggis, and nowadays the haggis is more likely to be found in a sausage casing rather than a stomach, but you can still go traditional, and there are butchers that will happily do that for you. The haggis was actually the best thing that my mother cooked, um, and she was a notoriously bad cook in the family. And I'll just give you an example, and I'm not telling any secrets here, the family knows, and my mum knows too. So, But just to give you an example, Brussels sprouts. I grew up thinking that Brussels sprouts actually came on your plate pureed because that's how my mum used to serve them. It would be like this, this green mess that just kind of hit the plate and disintegrated into a gooey green mess. And, and that's how I thought Brussels sprouts were actually served. I didn't know any different. Until, of course, I went to uh, my, you know, one of my first restaurants. And, of course, one of the things that I loved was Brussels sprouts, so I ordered them for the meal. And, of course, they didn't come pureed, did they? They came whole and Brussels sprout looking. So I remember I called the waiter over and I said, look, you know, I said, I'm going to have to send these back. I said, look at the Brussels sprouts. And the waiter said, what do you mean, sir? And I said, well, I said, they're hard. They look like Brussels sprouts. And he said, that's the way they're cooked. Yes, that was a, um, a learning lesson. And of course, it didn't help. You know, my dad's heart attack didn't help. And of course, that was brought all brought on by my, my mum's food as well. Um, luckily, he survived. But that's a, another story. Anyway, she cooked haggis extremely well, like the best of them. She was a mean haggis cooker. Well, how to cook haggis? Well, everyone has their own method. And this is mine. This is my family's secret haggis recipe, which has been passed down from one grandmother to another, one auntie to another, one Arnott and Galbraith to the other for about 600 years. And don't worry if you can't write it down. I'm going to add it to our Facebook page later this morning. But here we go. So what do you need? Well, you need one ox bung. You need 1.4 kilos of lamb's pluck, which is the, the heart, the lungs, and the liver. 500 grams of beef or lamb trimmings or stewing steak would actually work as well. 200 grams of suet, 500 grams of oatmeal. Has to be coarse oatmeal, though. And then seasoning, which you can adjust to your taste. But I would suggest two tablespoons of black pepper, ground. One nutmeg, finely grated four tablespoons of coriander seeds, and four tablespoons of fine sea salt. I tend to rinse the, the whole pluck in cold water, and then I trim off any large pieces of fat and cut away the windpipe. And then I, I place that in a good-sized pot with a cover um, in cold water. 
Keep in mind that the lungs float. So keep it sub to keep it submerged, you actually need to place a, a heavy lid on the pot. Bring to the boil and skim the surface regularly and then gently let it simmer for two hours. My mouth is watering as I speak. I'm just imagining this amazing meal. So then I strain the cooking liquid through a fine sieve and put it back on the stove to reduce until you roughly have about one liter of stock and then you just leave it to cool. While the stock reduces, finally dice the, the cooked heart and the lungs. Grate the liver using a, uh, the coarse side of the grater and then finally dice the trimmings. Mix all of this together in a large bowl along with the suet, um, oatmeal and spices and then measure how much stock remains from the cooking the pluck and make up to about a litre with cold water. Let it go to the boil and then simmer and then when it starts to cool, add it to the haggis mixture. Um, and this is when you now start to check the seasoning. And the, the best way to do this is to pan fry a tablespoon of the mixture for two to three minutes and then taste it. And this is where you can add extra salt and extra pepper or extra mace if you need. And then spoon the entire haggis mixture into the soaked, rinsed um, ox bung. And be aware that filling actually swells so as it cooks. So pack it quite loosely and keep a little bung at, um, at each end. When you've got the haggis to the size that you require, expel any extra air, pinch it, push it, and then tie it with a string and cut with scissors. Tie the new end of the bung and continue stuffing and then freeze any spare haggises that you've got left. Before cooking, pierce the haggis several times with a needle, not a knife or not with a knife tip, but actually just a needle. You just need small holes and place it in a pan of cold water and again, bring it to the boil. Simmer it for mm, one and a half to two hours. And when ready, the internal temperature should read something like 74 degrees. And last but not least, served with mashed potatoes and swede, creamy mashed potatoes and swede or neeps and tatties, as we call them. Doesn't that sound amazing? If your mouth isn't watering now, then you're, I don't know, you're, you're not Scottish, that's for sure. Now, I would say that the proper way to serve haggis, and I'm using inverted commas here, but to me, the proper way to serve haggis is with all three elements served separately on the plate. So you have a dollop of haggis, you have a dollop of mashed potato, and you have a dollop of turnip. And then what you do with your fork is you take a, a small bit of haggis and then some potato and then some turnip and you mix them together and then you then you eat it. It's eaten on. It can only really be eaten on a plate with three dollops. However, these days I know there's a lot more exotic mixes and alternative ways to eat haggis, but that's how we would have eaten the haggis, um, the haggis at home. Some of the versions that I've seen out there include haggis nachos, they're delicious, uh, haggis procura, haggis scotch eggs, using haggis instead of the sausage meat, uh, to, uh, which you pack around the, uh, the boiled egg, and haggis lasagna. So instead of actually lasagna sheets, uh, you can use po uh, potato scones or totty scones, um, which is another kind of Scottish or sort of Irish thing. The Irish uh, scones tend to be a little bit more buttery than the Scottish ones, and they have this kind of almost sweet taste to them. But our potato scones, the Scottish ones don't, and I'm used to that, I, and I actually like them that way. I like them a little bit flatter and a little bit more salty. But regardless, whichever ones you use, they're gonna look and taste absolutely awesome. 
So other than that, um, I've also seen in Scotland, I've seen haggis burgers. Um, I've also had haggis paninis and haggis toasties as well. They're also very delicious. And if you add a bit of brie to it, it is sensational. And there are even haggis flavored crisps or chips in Scotland, uh, which would be, what are they in the US? I guess they'd be chips, wouldn't they? I remember growing up that my favorite chips back then, which was a really exotic flavor, were bovril. Bovril flavored crisps. Anyway, you can get haggis flavored crisps now, and they're, they're pretty amazing, pretty, 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 pretty tasty. And for any reason, if you happen to be in Glasgow, where my mother was born, and where I spent a lot of time as a four-year-old robbing telephone boxes on a Monday morning, Keep in mind, back then, people would use them on weekends, uh, so Mondays were always the best time to rob a telephone box. Um, go to Bar Block, which is awesome, uh, on Bath Street. It's one of my favorite places to go whenever I'm in Glasgow for anything to eat, and they also do live music. And folks, look, there's no right way or wrong way as such to serve haggis and its accoutrements, but this sauce... There's a whiskey sauce that people add to it, which I've mentioned um, a few times. And I mean, don't get me wrong, it is absolutely fantastic. But I never grew up eating haggis with any kind of sauce. I mean, sure, I maybe I would have been given ketchup or some brown sauce um, to, you know, to kind of flavor it a little bit. But I have had this whiskey sauce that, uh, that people are adding to their haggises. And I have to say it's excellent. But when I have haggis, neeps, and tatties, I like them dry. Well, I like the, I like the haggis dry, meaning that the, there's no, no special sauce that's you know, kind of added to it. And to be honest, if your potatoes are creamy enough and you, your turnip, and you know the turnip seems to hold a lot of water, doesn't it? So there's actually quite a lot going on on the plate already. And haggis can be a little bit dry, depending on how you've cooked it. But I never grew up eating haggis with whiskey sauce or anything like that. So I'm just going to say that I like the whiskey sauce. Uh, I think it's a fairly recent addition, probably in the last 20 years. Um, and I think for some people, that was probably invented to make the haggis slightly more palatable. But what I will say is that any excuse to <laughs> consume whiskey, even in a sauce, is a good excuse to me. And the other thing I wanted to say is that the haggis isn't a seasonal dish. And, you know, some people kind of see it as being a seasonal dish because it's always served or it's commonly eaten around the 25th of January on, on Burns Night. But it doesn't have to be. You know, it, it can be celebrated and eaten all year round. And if you fancy haggis, I would say just cook it. It doesn't have to be in January. You could eat it in July. It's just as good. And of course, there is an address to the haggis, a salute to the haggis, an ode to the haggis um, that is read as the haggis is brought out from the kitchen and placed on the table. And I can't stress this seriously enough. This is a tradition that cannot be ignored. On pain of no one getting a bloody haggis, I'd say. Um, so this reading uh, is by one of my favorite Scottish actors, a guy called Gareth Morrison. Um, I absolutely love him, and he gives a great rendition. And what I'm going to do is uh, have Gareth read it to you in traditional Scottish, and then I will give you the translation in English afterwards. So take it away, Gareth. Fair fire, your honest sonsy face. Great chieftain o' the puddin' race. I've been the ma, you attack your place, pinch, tripe or thrain. 
Well, are you worthy of a grace as lang as my arm? Your groaning trenches there you fill. Your heart is like a distant hill. Your pen would help mend a mill in time o' need. And through your pores your dews distill like amber bead. His knife say rustic labour dicked and cut you up with ready slicked, trenching your gushing entrails bricked like on a ditch. But then, oh, <laughs> what a sect! Warm, reeking and rich. Then horn for horn they stretch and strive, deal take the hindmost on they drive, till ah, the wheel-swheeled kites belied are bent like drums. The old goodman's mace like to arrive. Be thank it, Hums. Well, is there that hour as French ragout, or olio that would store sue, or fricassee that would mack her spew with perfect sconner? Looks doon with sneering scornful view on sick a dinner. Poor devil, see him hour as trash, as feckless as a withered rash. His spindle shank, a good whip lash, his neve a knit, and through bloody flood or field to dash. Oh, how unfit. But mark the rustic haggis fed. The trembling earth resounds its tread. Clap as while the neve a blade, he'll mack it whistle. And legs and arms and heads, he'll sned like taps or thristles. Your powers wha mack mankind your care, and dish them out their bill of fare. Old Scotland wants none of your skinking wear that jops in luggies. But if you wish her grateful prayer, Gira Haggis. Wow, what an amazing addition to Rabbi Buns. So had you visited Scotland in the year of our Lord, 1805, this would have been the Scottish dialect that you would have heard. Methinks a guide and interpreter <laughs> might have been needed. Even I found that a bit hard to understand, although I did love it, I have to say. So the poem in English goes something like this. And I think what I'll do is attempt to read this in a Scottish accent to give it more of a, more of a Scottish feel. So I'll give it a go. Good luck to you and your honest plump face, great chieftain of the Scottish race. Above them all, take your place, stomach, tripe or intestines. Well are you worthy of a grace as long as my arm. The groaning trencher there you fill, your buttocks like a distant hill, your pin would help to mend a mill in time of need, while your pores the dews distill like amber bead. His knife see rustic labour wipe and cut you up with redded slight, trenching your gushing entrails bright like in a ditch. And then, oh, what a glorious sight, warm, steaming, rich. Then spoon for spoon and stretch and strive, devil take the hindmost on the drive, till all well swollen bellies by and by are bent like drums. Then old head of the table, most like to burst, then grace. Hums. Is there that over his French ragout or oreo that would sicken a sou or fricassee that would make her vomit with perfect disgust? Look down with sneering scornful view on such a dinner. Poor devil, see him over his trash as feeble as a withered rush, his legs a good whip lash, his fist a nut, through bloody flood or field to dash. Oh, how unfit! 
But mark the rustic haggis fed, the trembling earth resounds his tread, clapping his ample fist a blade. He'll make it whistle, and legs and arms and heads will cut off like the heads of thistles. Your powers who make mankind your care and dish them out their bill of fare. Old Scotland wants no watery stuff that splashes in small wooden dishes. But if you wish her grateful prayer, give her a haggis. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ode to Robert Burns, or Robbie Burns, to the magnificent haggis. And I think a good place to finish. I hope you enjoyed my Ode to Haggis, and I really hope that you enjoy the recipe that I shared with you. I'm off to make a haggis as we speak. If you have any questions, please send them to feedback at there'salwaystea.com. Nick and I absolutely love hearing from you. We've also had requests for some of Nick's tea blends, and when she gets back from holidays, we'll upload them to our Facebook page as well. Thanks again for joining me on this wet and windy morning. And remember, when the going gets tough, there's always tea. Bye for now.